I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The Big Payoff. This is Rachel Bello. And I'm Suzanne Mushin. This is a new conversation about business. We tackle all the personal stuff that really matters to you at work. I'm ready. Are you ready? ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's go. Welcome to The Big Payoff. I'm Suzanne, and I'm here with Rachel Bello, who's my best friend and business partner. And today on The Big Payoff, we're talking about what happens when you feel that the way that the world sees you is just not how you see yourself. Well, why would that happen? Like, I, I, I just, like, are we talking about how your mom sees you and you feel that you're different or? No, I'm talking about when you're trapped in a professional world and all day long people are treating you a certain way because that's what they think you're like. But you go home every day at five o'clock or six o'clock at seven and take off that identity. And what's left is this person that is so much more familiar to you. Right. Or you're in a profession that you chose at one point, but then you outgrew. And the way, like, for example, this happens all the time to corporate lawyers who, you know, for whatever reason, they they feel they want to be a corporate lawyer. Then yeah. they become a corporate lawyer and it feels like they're in prison. Yeah, lots of people who work for big box agencies. I remember Joseph Essex, who was a great creative director and designer, when he left the agency that he was at for years and years and went and did his own thing, Every day he wore a pair of different colored socks. And when I asked him why he did it, he said, it's just to remind me every day that this is who I am, not the way they saw me at that agency. Well, given Joseph Essex, that was just (laughs) the beginning of how quirky he was. Um, And we'll tell our own stories later in the show about when we were in these I have a really, really good one. One that was almost painful for me. To separate those identities, but we're going to talk about that. I sometimes feel that in this relationship with you, the world sees me as a loser, (laughs) but actually I'm not. I'm not her. But we have a guest today that is the perfect person for us to be talking to. And his name happens to be the most fun name to be said inside any human mouth, Israel Adonijah. It's funny. Once I started saying it, because I think it takes once or twice, it just really rolls. Oh, you know, the other day I was running to catch a train and you know how you sometimes say things to get because well, yeah. it was a long run I found myself saying Israel Adonijah Israel Adonijah <laughs> now wait what if he walked in and was like you're pronouncing that entirely wrong. I don't care okay the world sees your name that way anyway 
he manages to bring together so many different ways of being in a single lifetime that it's astonishing. And you're going to hear just how he does that. This is the master of multiple identities that come down to one man. Right. So Israel is a retired um, defensive end NFL player by day. But he has this entire world of business opportunity that you're going to hear about later in the show. And it is astonishing to understand how you keep that sense of self even while you're out there in a world where people are constantly putting this other label on you like you're an NFL player. I mean, people put labels on me all the time like you're a fashion model <laughs> or you're uh... Oh, that's when you go to Lighthouse for the Blind for those events. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, there may be blind people listening to us and that just offended me. I almost said they can't be listening. It's a radio, but then I realized there they was. could be. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. So, we're talking about how you work this out and how you maintain that real sense of self no matter where you go. And we'll be back in just a minute talking with, you can say it, go ahead. Israel Adonaje, Israel Adonaje, Israel Adonaje. Okay, that's enough. Okay. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to The Big Payoff. I'm Suzanne Mushin, and I'm here with Rachel Bella, who's my best friend and business partner. And today we're talking about what happens when you feel like the outside world is putting an identity on you that just doesn't feel like the real you. And this is important because if you walk around all day feeling like you're not yourself, you don't perform well. You just simply can't. Of course, we know that you always have the option to keep moving into your next incarnation. And the guy we have here today is the poster child for that process. It would have to be a big poster. <laughs> uh, a very large. In fact, this is the Israel Adonijah is the largest guest we've ever had. Um, let me just think about that. In any dimension, he's the largest yeah. guest we've ever had at six six two seventy five. But you know what? He needs that much space to encompass. All of the different identities that he has collected for himself, all inside one man. And so, he will tell us how that all comes together. Israel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor. So Rachel kept adding more and more things to your bio. <laughs> and she kept saying, is this something he does? Is this something he does? And I was like, yes, he does all of those things. So the things that come to mind for me when I think of what you do for a living, so you've started and founded this now shared space for entrepreneurs called the Chicago Bureau. Well, we have to start with his NFL persona. We just have to. Okay. Sure. So he's a former NFL, professional NFL player. Who just, played, just like you. Yeah. Just like so many people. He played <laughs> for the Cleveland Browns. He played for the Bears. He played for the Detroit Lions and the New York Giants. True. Yeah, Rachel just gave a big thumbs up for that. <laughs> You're from, you like New York? That's your She's team? from. Oh, nice. I'm in New York. Oh. So, and then you have the foundation. Yes. You produce a comic book. Yeah, we do a comic book, a bunch of comic-esque properties and stuff. I mean, I could keep going. But, you know, the, the comic book is a perfect example because it merges two of your worlds, right? Yeah. It's a comic book that is also merged with the sports world. Right. So this may be a hint yeah. about how you bring identities together. So here's what we want to hear. Let's start with, um, so what was your path to the NFL? Was this 
a lifelong dream since you were a little kid? How does that work? Yeah, it's it's funny. Football was actually not something that I wanted to do growing up. It was it was something that I was almost forced and, and pushed into. Growing up, basketball was like my love and my passion. When I was 13, uh, my parents actually made us write and journal all the time. We had to read like an hour every day. And when I wrote in my journal, I wrote I wanted to, to play professional basketball for the Chicago Bulls. Nice. And, and Where were you living? I was living in Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Small town of like six people, you know. So you you probably did appear like somebody who might be able to play basketball in that town. I, absolutely, that was yeah. like my dream, and and yeah. I actually worked a lot with kids, and and that was like a, a huge part of my my life. I was a part of a, the YMCA youth leadership program. I was a junior counselor, ended up being a senior counselor. And when I was 17, my boss at that program came to my high school to start a nine-man football league. And he said, Izzy, come play. I said, no, come play, no. And he said, worst case scenario, you're going to be in great shape for basketball. So he coerced me into coming. I said, nice. all right. Nice. I like that. And I played. And at the end of the season, you know, that was it for me. But he thought, hey, like, Izzy could be a great football player. He ended up getting me a, a spot on the trials for the provincial team, like the state team. And I went out. Actually, I didn't go out. I, he, he told me about it, and it went in one ear, out the other. A week or two later, he called my mother. Did Izzy tell you about the opportunity? Are you guys going? He was all excited. She was like, no, he didn't mention anything. She called me like, you didn't tell, me, tell us about this tryout in Winnipeg. And I said, well, I don't want to go. I don't want to play football. She said, well, this man thought enough about your ability and your gift to get this opportunity. So whether you like it or not, we're going. I was upset. I cried. We drove two and a half hours from Brandon, Manitoba to Winnipeg for this tryout. She talked the whole time. I just didn't <laughs> talk old, or pay how attention. How old were you at this point? I was 17. That's pretty old to be starting football. Yeah, it's late. It's late. Uh, it, it's also people listening to this. If there are boys listening to this thinking, so he got to do the thing that I only dream of doing because he was coerced into doing yeah, it. Forced into doing it. Wow. But had you been playing basketball? Oh, yeah. So I had an opportunity. I was. Oh, I had an offer to play at the Brandon Bobcats. And I had one offer to play basketball, which was something I'd been playing my whole life for BU. And, you know, that was... That was kind of it for the basketball journey. And I had played this one year of nine-man football for the Vincent Massey Vikings. Coach got me this opportunity. I'm competitive, so when I got to the tryout, you know, I didn't want these other boys to, like, make me look bad. So I practiced hard, and I made the team. Oh, my God. And uh, at the practice that day was the head coach in the University of Manitoba, and they ended up asking me to come play at the university. I actually had another offer from uh, North Dakota as well, mm. but I didn't love football enough to, like— Live in North Dakota, right. Yeah, to live right. in North Dakota. So I was just like— so I went to the University of Manitoba, and, and it was like football for a, a quick minute, and I had an offer to you know play at this university, and they had all this interest, and I'd been playing basketball my whole life, and I had one opportunity. So I sat down with my parents and said, hey, let's see where this football thing goes. And I didn't necessarily love it, but we just said, hey, let's, let's see. So what was the first time you remember being treated like a football player like a big man on campus yeah, like a fans or, or people do you remember finding that at all weird um you know what so it, it was a little challenging at first my first three years at the university I didn't even really play so my first year I had a redshirt injury my second year 
I played one game at the end of the season because, you know, I was very raw in comparison to these other guys who had played their whole lives. And then my third year, I thought I was going to play. I played four games. So I was actually going to quit that four, third year. And, like, I'm done. I was going to wow, go play basketball. Wow, this is about the most unpromising beginning to a football career. <laughs> it's like no yeah. one would guess. Right. At every point in time, right. someone out there is saying, Israel, So he became it. a professional yeah. ping pong. Right. right. <laughs> ping pong, table tennis. Yes, uh-huh. You know, um, and I called my mother. I said, I'm, qu- I'm, I'm quitting. Uh, I went actually to the, I went to the basketball pr- practice at the university. The basketball, the head coach said he didn't want a two-sport athlete. I had to pick football or basketball. And then with my mother saying, you're not going to quit football, I stayed. And that fourth season, the guy who was starting ahead of me was academic, academically ineligible. And that's how I got my first start and was, uh, you know, first team all Canadian. And then it was, yeah, then it you know, then I, then, exactly, then I started getting so some attention. So when you started to do really well that fourth season, did yeah. that change your feeling about you being a football player? Or was it still like, this isn't totally? You know, I, I think, you know, often we embrace the things that we're good at. And we, we, it's easy to, like, fall in love yeah. with the attention and with what comes with it. So, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily love football, but I, I found an appreciation for it. And I always loved competition. So it was easy to find what within this game did I really love. I loved the aspect of lining up against somebody and going into battle against this guy for, you know, three hours. I love that aspect. Oh, my you know? God. Did you get hurt at all during uh, your college career? During my college career, I had a number of injuries, you know, I had uh, knee scopes and surgeries and, you know, little things. Thankfully, nothing serious. Mm. So when you started to be that guy, probably first on campus and then obviously you go pro, do you remember being out on the street or anywhere else where you're recognized for the first time? And how did that feel? Yeah, I mean, it felt good. And, and I think, you know, Winnipeg being kind of a small community and, and, you know, at that time, because of the, the success of our football team, we were, we were in the media almost every day, mm-hmm. every week. And, you know, being one of the leaders of that defense and one of the guys I, I led the team in sacks and was all Canadian, you know, all-star team two years in a row, I had a lot of attention. It was in the paper. And when you have yeah. that, your face recognition, then we went out all the time and, and we were fortunate or I was fortunate to just to have people always, you know, say kind and nice things. It's like things. Friday Night Lights. Oh, you've not seen that. Have you just, seen that? I have not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Rachel's obsessed. Oh. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Are you? Best series ever. Really? No, if you commit, we're talking about 80 hours of your life. Don't, don't. Don't do it. Oh, more than 80, <laughs> probably 120 hours. Don't do it. Um, so this is what I find 
so interesting about you. So I've gotten to know Israel because he's... Can we call you Izzy? Of course. See, I haven't yet. Yeah, you okay. can call well, me Izzy. I, really? Yeah, I feel course. like this is a new, <laughs> a new way that we can be friends. It's a new level in our relationship. We've, okay. we've right. just taken it. Just so now you, you, <laughs> wait, you I pretend that he's it. a Jewish man. You call him Izzy. <laughs> okay, so, anyways, right. Okay, so let me just try that. So Izzy. Yes. So I've gotten to know you because... You are in the business world. You're an entrepreneur. And interestingly enough for Rachel and me, because this is what we do for a living, you have a real values-based approach to your businesses. And I know that that didn't come after football. I mean, you can't just wake up one morning and say, hey, I think I'm going to start a bunch of companies that have real meaning and purpose to them. So just talk to us about where did that come from and how – how do you maintain that even in the midst of a life that is not really designed when you're a pro football player to really embrace that? Well, I, I think at the end of the day, my values and my perspective on life and what our approach to life should be, regardless of what you do, is, is comes from my parents and my family. And, and mm. you know, they're missionaries and, you know, two people, modest living, but they were committed to service and ultimately using their platform to give to those of, of less fortune of those that needed around us. So then getting into the NFL and, and being in a position of all the success because I could play a sport, because I could run, I felt it was important, you know, for me to do what I could with the platform that I hadn't been given. And and you were feeling that way from the beginning. I felt that way from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got to I got to Chicago when I was 21 years old. And it's, you know, even just making the team was the focus. I mean, it sure. was like... I'm, I'm on the bubble. I might yeah. get cut. So at first, especially those first, I think three or four years, I'm just trying to fig, yeah. you know get my feet under me. There's and there's a lot of distractions. You know, there's a, there's two paths in professional sport: the vets and the guys who are going to show you what a, a professional should be like a, in a positive way. And then there are the guys yeah. who are also vets and successful, but they're not necessarily living right. So as a young guy, if you're fortunate enough to get on the right path with guys who can direct and guide you, you know, that's a good thing. But there's also a lot of guys who are going down the wrong path. So for me, it was just figuring it out, finding out, you know, how, what type of pro did I want to become? And so you wake up every morning now, and do you feel that the way that you're living your life now as an entrepreneur and a businessman is the fullest expression of yourself? Or do you just feel like, well, I'm still that same guy, but I just no longer play football? You know, I I think... Really both. I think I'm still the same guy. I don't play football. Football was very like a, just a small chapter in my life, in the yeah. book of my life. And But I do feel like I'm living my full expression of what I was meant to do. And, and like really I'm just, you know, at a fraction of the journey. There's still so much to accomplish and so much to be done. And, and the story that we're looking to, to tell and the lives that we're looking to impact and touch, there's still a lot of that still to come. So that's what's so exciting about waking up every day today. You know, I think that you said the key thing about the book of a book of our lives and the chapters. And if I people that. really love thought that. about what they were up to as a chapter and ask themselves, not what's the next chapter, but what's the meaning of this one? And how, and then how can, because once you fulfill the meaning of one chapter, it feels as if life goes, okay, you're ready yeah. for the next one. It's beautiful. Yeah, that was great. 
Um, so before we sign off, I just have to have you talk about your comics for a second. Okay, it's just such an unusual. <laughs> I mean, if I had to list 20 things that I thought you were involved with, I don't think I would have come up. with. Were you a Comic-Con like groupie type comic freak when you were young? I, I read a lot of comics growing up. And, you know, I was my parents, but, like I said, they made us read an hour every day. And my sister was reading like Alex Haley's Roots and like these huge you know, and you novels. were reading Archie. I was reading, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I was reading Little Silver Comics. Silver Surfer. Right. Richie yeah. Rich. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, that's kind of where it all started. You know, I got my first comics and, and just that's kind of, I said, I wanted to tell the origin story of the athlete. All these athletes, their powers in sport. They're what the, was the true? Yeah. The protectors. The protectors. So. Yeah. So the protectors is the mythology behind what makes all our athletes so great in sport. Their gifts in sport are truly, it's a byproduct of a greater gift that they were given to save humanity. And that's what outlines the story and and connects to really what I believe in, uh, that we all have gifts and we all have multiple abilities and you have to make a decision every day. What do I want to do with my gift? Yeah. And multiple incarnations for a single gift. Right. I mean, that's the thing is, and you can only really see the pattern when you're whatever, 90 years old, my dad's really seeing the pattern now. Um, and going, oh, that was that golden thread. Yeah. Well, Israel, wait, no, Izzy. Yes. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. It's been so much so fun. So much fun. I wish we had another, you know. I know. Well, we'll bring him on again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. Let's okay. scrimmage again. All right. <laughs> was that, that? A, wait, was that a good analogy? That was, yeah. Just, you know. See, people used to make fun of me all the time because right. I, I would mix metaphors. All the time in sports, because I'm just not. Like you'd go, let's scrimmage again. Yeah, let's let's scrimmage again. <laughs> um, we'll be back to the big payoff with Rachel and Suzanne in just a moment. Welcome back to The Big Payoff. So today we're talking about what what you do when you feel that the way that the world sees you outside of yourself really just isn't the way you are. It's just not the identity that you feel comfortable with and what you do about that. And this is so frequent, Rachel, in professional settings where people put a, an, an persona on you that's just not you. Well, it really it really is common at the early stages of your career when you're still trying to find yourself. Oh yeah. And you know, is this is this me? Is this me? Yeah. So this is the, my first job was it being a core member for Teach for America, which meant that I was an 8th grade teacher in the South Bronx in New York. And I got there, not through the traditional teacher training route, but through becoming part of this core that's like a peace core. Right. I mean, in case people don't know, Teach for America is, it was, especially when Suzanne began with it, was a very big entrepreneurial effort, really one of the first entrepreneurial efforts in the nonprofit space. And it was taking on the problem of quality teaching in American high schools, American K through 12. And I don't know why they found Suzanne and what they thought, but whatever. So she was one of the core members, which was really like being, you know, an advance man. It was a very big thing. It was thing a big, at the bold, time. off-road thing at the time. And and they are very they had a big social justice focus. And so the time I times I remember most having that split feeling that felt so uncomfortable to me is I would 
either be in a group of people who I was meeting for the first time or I'd go home like for Thanksgiving and people would refer to me as a teacher. Oh, that's so nice that you're teaching so eighth grade. So great that you're teaching eighth. That's that's so nice you do that work with kids. Oh, yeah. That okay. would I oh. Right? Oh. And by the way, you are so not an eighth grade teacher. So not. Okay, <laughs> so not. And I just remember needing to sort of pull that but that's not who I am. I'm this Teach for America core member. I'm this social justice, edgy person. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with that I, that split identity. And it wasn't really until I left being a teacher that I finally I joined the staff of Teach for America and I felt like myself. Right. And you did that by saying, you know, the part of me that actually I did love was being the social justice warrior. So I'm going to take that piece of exactly. my identity and do it over here. Yeah. I had Screw actually. Kids. Yeah. Screw the children. <laughs> well, I hope Actually, not. a bunch of them now listen to our show. Ruben Bermudez. Yeah. Where are you, Ruben? I know. He'll listen to this show. Sorry. You know I don't mean you. Um, so I actually... Um, had the same experience at some point in my life where I was working, running a big program, an arts program for a huge foundation giving away money. Okay, so it was a philanthropy. And my portfolio was $20 million annually. And my responsibility was to find arts organizations and artists around the world to give $20 million away to. Okay, that was my job. And you can imagine Walking, first of all, it was completely heady. I was completely drunk on the fact that I was oh, the smartest room. person in every room. Yeah. Amazing. Everything I said was <laughs> right. Amazing. I always looked so pretty. Amazing. And then I realized, uh, yes, but this is my money. It's not my money, A. And B, this is because of the money that this is happening. So for after about four years of that, I, I used to have dreams Dreams at night of being choked by a boa constrictor. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And one time the boa constrictor was wearing a pattern and I couldn't quite see it until later in that day after I had woken up. I, I realized oh, that's the pattern of dollar bills. No way. Yeah. So I realized no that I could no longer. I was feeling completely imprisoned. Wait, but isn't the snake a sexual were yeah, you a no. prostitute? I mean, <laughs> well, if I was, I wasn't earning enough money. Clearly. So clearly. Uh, but it really was so constricting for me to be seen as the money guy well, in that, every room. That is so true because we've been involved in so many times in foundations where they just have this, we call it foundation face. Right. And you begin to, I didn't feel there was enough risk in my life. I didn't feel that people saw me, the real part of me, which is, in fact, a warrior, which not until you and I got together yeah. did we warrior together. But if you are a warrior inside yeah. and you are playing the role of someone who is playing it safe or playing it small, it's intolerable. In your case, it is intolerable. Yeah. And yet I'm very, very grateful for that phase of my identity. Right. Which is why what Israel said is so important about the chapters in your book. Yeah. So that's it for this week's show giving you the kind of advice that you really can't afford. So we're giving it away for free every well, if week. If you want to pay for it, you can pay for it. You can actually, no. okay, I guess they can't. No. They well, can't. you can go to my website. And <laughs> right, your personal donate. donate now website. Um, we'll be back to the big payoff next week with Rachel and Suzanne.
you enjoyed today's show and want to hear more from Rachel and Suzanne, you can follow them on Twitter at Big Payoff Radio and like them on Facebook at The Big Payoff. Our theme music comes from Penthouse Suites. Hear more at penthouse.com. Download past episodes and subscribe to The Big Payoff on the ACAST app or at iTunes. And you can always find us online at bigpayoffradio.com. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 